All right, here we go. Our uh, weekly conversation with our buddy from HawkBlogger.com, Brian Nemhauser. Find him on Twitter, at HawkBlogger. Joining us here on the telephone. Uh, Brian, how are you, pal? What's shaking? Yeah, I'm doing great, Softy. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Uh, this this feels like a playoff game on, on Sunday between the Seahawks and Arizona. And I said it on my show the other day. It almost feels like the season starts Sunday and the Cardinals have been spotted a two-game lead, man, before this showdown on Sunday night. Yeah, I think that's about right. Um, and uh, Seahawks are very fortunate in, in the sense that, that uh, they've been able to kind of tread water in the beginning part of this season and against some really tough competition. And uh, now they got a little bit of a break and uh, catch their breath, and now we get to see if they're ready to – kick off the second half the right way you know a lot of uh, conversation about who needs this game more and I've said many times I think the Hawks need it more for an obvious reason if the Cardinals lose they're still a game up on first place if the Hawks lose they'll be essentially four games out with uh, three games in the loss column and the tiebreaker for now going to Arizona so I, I I just feel like if the Seahawks have any chance of getting the division and I feel like really if they have any chance of making the postseason man they got to get this one on Sunday night big boy yeah, I, th- I mean, I think that's fair. I-, I tend to not think about it that way, but I do think that's fair. I-, I like if the Seahawks want this season to be anything of of you know importance. Um, this is a game they're they're going to have to have, um, not- and not just from a standings perspective and-, and division title perspective, but you know they have been ahead of every team they've played so far this year. They've been ahead of every team they played so far this year in the fourth quarter. They've lost three leads in the last minute of the game, um, and. Uh, they clearly are good enough to play against the best teams in the NFL. Um, We've seen that. And this is their next chance to to really, like, set a different tone. And, like, you cannot lose two home games and hope to, you know, be anything meaningful uh, at the end of the season. So I I think this is a big game, and and the Cardinals are – Every bit as good as, as you know, they, they seem to be coming into this. Yeah, we'll talk about what they do well in just a moment. But getting back to your point, it wouldn't just be two home losses. It would be two consecutive home losses with the last one being to Carolina. So that's not championship caliber stuff when you think about dropping two games in a row at home. But let's go back and talk about the Seahawks for a minute because a lot of the conversation during the bye in the last week or so has shifted to Russell Wilson. Uh, you know, you and I were both looking at those red zone numbers for Russell, which are not good. His numbers between the 49 and 20 are great. But once they get to the 20-yard line and in, uh, he, he he really has been subpar uh, this year. And his numbers actually have been getting worse and worse and worse ever since his rookie year. How uh, How concerning for you are those red zone numbers, not just for the football team, but also for the quarterback, pal? Oh, it's 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 – Critical. I mean, I, I kind of look at it this way. I mean, yes, uh, absolutely. The obvious is difference between a red zone touchdown and a field goal, four points. And a lot of these games are decided by less than that. So every single opportunity that you don't convert to a touchdown is is a big one. Um, and and I think this year they've just been awful, despite adding you know really good red zone um, a target. So uh, you know when I went down and, and kind of broke that down a little bit and looked at it. Uh, you know, back in 2012, 2013, Russell's first couple of years where he was a pretty good red zone quarterback, um, you know, Golden Tate and Zach Miller were his top touchdown targets. They each had seven touchdowns and, um, over half the touchdown passes during those first two years that Russell played were to wide receivers. Um, you know, 17% were to running backs and 
over the last two years, since Tate left and Miller was hurt most of last year, um, most of the, the touchdowns and passes in the red zone are going to running backs. You know, Marshawn Lynch led the team in touchdown, uh, red zone touchdown catches last year. Um, you know, so, and the wide receivers are not catching that many. So I really think that Russell's got to find his trusted target. Daryl Bevel's got to find a way to get Jimmy Graham in a, a better place to make an impact. And if they're not going to use Jimmy Graham as the guy that they're going to target, then hell, that's where you got to use Chris Matthews. I mean, the guy's 6'5". He's shown he can do it on the biggest stage. I just don't understand why yeah. they wouldn't attempt. We've seen one fade pass in the red zone all year. Right. How can that be? Right. How can that be? You've got 6'7", six, 6'5", six, Luke Wilson, 6'5". It's time. Like everyone else is doing it. It's not like you got to be unique. Just do it works. Yeah, I think the question is why are those guys here if you're not going to use them right. inside the 20? Right. I mean, Jimmy Graham's got three red zone receptions on the entire season. I only remember one target to Chris Matthews inside the 20 and I think that was in the uh, in the Lion game if I'm not mistaken on Monday night. It may have been the Bear game when Russell fired that laser beam. Oh, to, that's right. Yeah, to uh, to Chris and he had no shot of uh, of catching the ball. But Chris Matthews is kind of a conundrum in some ways and maybe in other ways not because, let's face facts, the guy had done nothing up until the Super Bowl, and he's done nothing since then. He's got six targets the entire year, Brian. Yeah, and, and you know, look, I, I used to bang the drum for Kristen Michael, right? So it, it's, it's not like um, I can say that this isn't a situation where maybe Chris Matthews just refuses to, you know, show it in practice, and so they're not giving him the chances. That could be another situation um then cut uh, him then cut him yeah if but he's not like, showing it in practice then why is he on the football that's, team that's a fair question <laughs> i mean look and the rumor came out as silly as it sounded that the the seahawks were willing to trade chris matthews for offensive line help i mean who the hell wants for chris what? matthews for what <laughs> right for what? you know like so i, I agree and, and it's just it's a little aggravating to have what seems to be a pretty obvious strategic opportunity with with that height um, you know, not just him, but across the board, and to not have seen it. And so, um, you know, if Darrell Bevel was succeeding in other ways and they were scoring in other ways, fine. You know, it would be a little weird. But when they're the worst in the NFL in red zone and we're not seeing any passes to these players, right? that's not acceptable. It doesn't make sense. So, Have you, have you heard Holmgren's philosophy on that whole thing, on, uh, on what he would do in the red zone? Because you mentioned it, I think, in your article. The last time the Hawks were really, really good in the red zone was in 2005, right? That's right. Under Mike Holmgren. They were like 68%, whatever yep. it was. It was something ridiculous. Now they're under 30 his, his philosophy is that, hey, look, <clears throat> excuse me, when I get to the 20-yard line, especially with Steven Houchka, I've got an automatic 37-yard field goal in the bag. I mean, it's done. It's it's three points. It's automatic. So therefore, when I get to the 20, every play I run is going to be a pass to the end zone from the 20 in. Hmm. And they're just not taking shots to the end zone. They're, you know, they're, they're running Marshawn. They're running Russell. Uh, they're hitting backs, uh, you know, in the flat. They are running some seam plays to Jimmy Graham every now and then. I think of that seam pass to Jeremy Stevens in the Panther game in 05 when he was wide open. Yep. And you want more of that stuff. But I just wonder if they're taking enough shots, and maybe you can break this down for me, maybe jump on your nerd box there and figure it out. <laughs> are they taking enough direct shots into the end zone from the 20? Yeah, and I can I can look that up. I I would say that that um, it wouldn't seem to be. I mean, I think my my impression is that the Seahawks, for whatever reason, tend to run um, when they get in the red zone uh, for the first few plays, and then try to pass when they get closer in. And 
you know, I think obviously Holmgren's been an amazing Hall of Fame level offensive coach and just coach in general. And I think he's he makes a logical point that you got more room to to make the the pass play when you're a little farther out. And you know, I think you saw in the article I wrote, this is the first year the Seahawks have been 50-50 split in run pass in the red zone. Every other year, it's at least 57% um, run to pass. And, you know, it's not like they've been a great red zone team to begin with, but it just seems to indicate that they are trying to pass more in the red zone. They're not doing a good job of it. Um, So, you know, and I do hold Russell accountable for a lot of that Mm -hmm. in that, you know, his two interceptions that were from the 20 on in this year, neither one of them had to happen. Um, They were on him. So, uh, you know, his judgment, where he's going with the ball, there's been open players that he's not seeing. Um, you know, he's, he's got to get better um, in those situations. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, let's shift to Arizona and, and just kind of talk about what they do well, maybe what they don't do well, uh, the points that you brought up in your your article this week about, hey, Arizona. I mean, first of all, they really haven't beaten anybody. You know, a lot of people like to beat up the Seahawks for the four wins they've got, but the, the Cardinals haven't really beaten anybody either. So whoever wins this game on Sunday night, that'll be their first real kind of big-time win, I think, against a big-time opponent the entire season. Yep. That's number one. But then number two, your point about, hey, when they face teams in the top half of the NFL and rushing offense, Pittsburgh and uh, the Rams, uh, they've lost. And and now they face the number three running offense in the NFL. We had a guy on from Arizona, Bob Kemp, down there in Phoenix and said that a lot of the yards the Steelers had kind of came on some trick plays and, and uh, you know, shenanigans, things like that. But I don't know, man. You know, uh, Marshawn is questionable now with the abdominal injury. I, I think he's going to play on Sunday. I'd be shocked if he didn't play after having a couple of weeks off with the bye but a lot of people are asking, hey, is this the week they change things up and start to bomb away? And I don't know why you do that when Arizona clearly, at least at times, has shown to be susceptible to the run. Yeah, I, it, and we have to all see what the weather's going to be like. I mean, if it's, if it's pouring down rain, that's, that's going to impact this game more than, than anyone's talking about. Um, there's no doubt that if, if you have a choice um, and you have the ability – you want to run on on this Cardinals team on this on this Cardinals defense. I think that obviously keeps the ball out of the hands of of the their offense. It um, gives you more acceptable third downs and and you know tough situational um, uh, uh, downs in your favor, so that you're not facing necessarily as crazy a blitz packages as you might. And this offensive line and Russell have to be able to be on their you know on their toes for that stuff. So. I think running the ball is absolutely, um, you know, the the preferred method here. But at the same time, I will say that Arizona has shown a propensity to leave themselves vulnerable with the pressure that they try to bring, and the Seahawks have shown an ability to exploit some of that pressure. Um, we saw that last year down in Arizona, and that was not about John Skelton or you know Ryan Lindley or whoever else they had at quarterback those games. That was their defense, and their defense was pretty dang healthy. So, um, you know, I, I do think the Seahawks can make some hay in, in the passing game, but but that's going into the yeah. teeth of their defense. Yeah. I'd rather them run. Well, and then uh, Patrick Lewis is getting the start at center, and you know what happened the last time he started against Arizona. They ran <laughs> for like 270 and went for 600 total, uh, obviously, on uh, on Sunday night last season down there, and maybe that was uh, – 
a Cardinal defense that was just kind of beaten down mentally because they were getting nothing from the quarterback that night in uh, in Ryan Lindley, and it's a different deal now with uh, with Carson Palmer. But I don't know, man. I mean, the uh, the offensive line seems to be getting better, but I think Holmgren said it perfectly yesterday. Yeah, they're improving, but still not anywhere near where they have to be. Yeah, I think that's very fair. Um, you know, uh, maybe Alvin Bailey needs to start left tackle again like he did in that game down there. Yeah. Um, the two of them together seem to be doing all right. So, um no, seriously, though, I, it, it feels to me, and maybe it's just too hopeful and too glass half full, but it does feel to me like that, that offensive line is, has made some strides in the past month. And, um, you know, if you look at the games, there's been – it went from, like, nothing positive for the first few weeks, you know, just a lot of really negative stuff, to some glimpses where they were really dominant for a lot of that Cincinnati game um, running the ball and – um, actually, pass protecting was pretty good in that game, and um, they did okay against Carolina, which is a really tough defense when Keekley's in there. And you know, and then and then they they pass protected pretty well against the Cowboys. So I mean, there has been some really encouraging signs. Um, you know, this is this is going to be a game where they have to be a factor and a positive one yeah, yeah. if the Seahawks are going to win. I don't know if it was you or somebody else asked about how many points it would take to win this game. And, uh, you know, look, I mean, we also talked on the show about what are you more concerned about on Sunday night, the offense or the defense for the Seahawks? And I think a lot of folks just assume the Seahawks defense will show up. And let's face it, they kind of have to. Uh, because if they let Arizona get a crooked number on the board, 27, 30 points, I don't think the Hawks can win this game. But I'm looking squarely at that matchup between the LOB and John Brown and Floyd and uh, Larry Fitzgerald. Seahawks have only allowed one touchdown to a wide receiver all year long, and that came in week two. Now you have three guys on Arizona's side that have 13 touchdown catches combined between the three of them. So, uh, look, I don't know. I I mean, the defense has been good. Uh, they've been great in a lot of ways. There's there's no question about that. But they also uh, have faced some teams with some decent quarterbacks, namely Aaron Rodgers and Cam Newton and Andy Dalton, and they've given up a few points. And I don't know if they can get away with doing that again on Sunday. No. I mean, well, there's a few things I think you know. Uh, the Seahawks have never won a game in Russell Wilson's career where they've given up more than 24 points. Crazy. Yeah. Um, the this year the Cardinals haven't won a game where they scored less than 26 points. Mm. Uh, the Seahawks haven't won a game this year where their opponent has scored more than 12 points. Wow. So wait a minute. The Seahawks have not won a game this year when their opponent has scored more than 12. Correct. So the Lion game, the Bear game, the Niner game, the Cowboy game. Yeah, you're right. Crazy. Correct. So you know this is. <laughs> This is definitely two teams coming from different ends of the spectrum, and if it's if it's going to be a high-scoring affair, you know, he definitely highly favors the the Cardinals. Um, but you know, I think that you know, I, I don't I don't know that the Seahawks are going to do it this way. Um, in fact, they're probably not going to do it this way. But I would like to see them put Richard Sherman on Larry Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wrote a little bit today just looking at when John Brown, Michael Floyd, and Fitzgerald have been healthy. How do the passes get distributed? What's Carson Palmer's pet, you know, pet target? And you know, it's clearly Larry Fitzgerald. And Sherman's had great success against him in the past. Um, I don't think Sherman matches up that well with John Brown. And you know, that leaves Earl Thomas and you know the safeties to help on a guy like John Brown and Kerry Williams on a guy like Michael Floyd. And and I think all those things give the Seahawks a better chance against that secondary. Um, you know, that's when they play man to man. They obviously play a lot of zones. So it's going to be a 
fascinating chess match. I have tons of respect for Carson Palmer. I have tons of respect for how aggressive Bruce Arians calls it. I think this is the best wide receiver core in the NFL. Mm. So let's let's lace them up and see what they're going to look like. I, I like the Seahawks' chances to make uh, the Cardinals feel really uncomfortable. This is not a team that, that knows how to operate in a defensive struggle. They are used to being able to put up points, yeah. and uh, the Seahawks' defense has to make it a defensive battle. Well, if you, if you can't like him at home in the rain in prime time on Sunday night, then you can't like him at all. I mean, all the, all the variables, all the intangibles are all lined up in favor of the Seahawks in this game. And if they can't take advantage of all that stuff at home uh, on Sunday night on national TV where the Hawks have been magnificent under Pete Carroll, then forget about it. All right, man. Listen, it's uh, it's going to be a fun weekend, uh, a nervous weekend on Sunday, uh, a, a playoff-type atmosphere, and we'll see you there on Sunday night, pal. Appreciate this, buddy. Yeah, it's going to be a blast, Dave. I love Talk it. To you later. All right, you bet. Brian Nemhauser, Hawk Blogger. Find him on Twitter, at Hawk Blogger, and on the web at hawkblogger.com. Great stuff on the website, and uh, the best news about it is it's all free. So if you don't like it, you're not out anything. But uh, trust me, you'll, you'll enjoy it. Good stuff with Brian Nemhauser right here on KJR.